Welcome to Self. While I still don't have like a concise intro for this podcast, I think that by now y'all realize that this is more just kind of like a out loud journal or something like that. And in the opening of season two, I have my friend Will with me. Brought Will back on. Say what's up, Will. What up, what up? You got headphones? Yeah. Try let's try yeah, let's try them out because it sounds like uh like I can hear like random stuff. It's it's the most random things. Like if a chair creaks or anything like that, I think it's picking that up. So we'll we'll see how you sound with the headphones on and then go from there. I see them bowls. Nah, nah he's beats. Oh, them beats? Yeah, oh, okay. they was on like a uh, sale for like Black Friday, for like thirty nine dollars. What, man? So Damn. I got I got headphones. Uh, I got these Bose headphones that I've I haven't had to buy Bose headphones at all actually because they were gifted to me with a two year warranty, and so every oh. almost two years they kept going out, and I kept having to just get new ones until most recently they took a little bit longer to die. And then uh, they hit me with a, yeah, you just pay half the price for a new pair of headphones. I was like, man, you know, I got it. I didn't got like six pairs. I can pay a hundred dollars for these, and I like them. So, yeah, I, I like them headphones. They, they look like it because they go over the neck with the wire. That's what I was thinking. Oh uh, yeah, nah, these these nice. I bought a couple. I was like, might as well. <laughs> yeah, they was thirty nine dollars. <laughs> oh, but uh. No, so I brought Will back on here because we have been having a lot of really um, good conversations that strike up a lot of, uh, not even ideas, but it's just like, I think we have these moments where it's like, oh, you're right. Like, oh, I remember that. Like a recentering back to the stuff that we already know. It's like things that we've just forgotten through time was just like maybe consuming media interacting with people online uh or just not having real communication with one another yeah i mean that's that's basically what it is i think every now and then you go through something you see something something happen and you know how to handle it but every it's it's good to get that reminded in that different perspective you know every once in a while just kind of bring you back to what it is and what you've seen before. And it's like I said, you know how to handle it. It's just that we all need that reminder sometimes. Yeah. And that's what you've been doing for me. I, I've been going through a lot of uh, sudden changes just with finally being at a place in my career where I can have more experiences. And with these experiences, I think that there's a constant challenge of the way things were supposed to be or the way I was told things should be versus how they are and how I'm able to influence them. Because for so long, I think I haven't seen people around me, like my family, close friends, do any of what I'm doing between traveling, like not just locally, but also internationally. I went out of the country twice in six months, you know, and I don't know anyone, at least in my immediate circle, who has done that. And I see a lot of my friends on different trajectories uh, between having kids or pursuing their careers. And I think 
I'm I don't have anybody to really go to because like this is a real one off thing for me to be doing uh, going the podcast route, going the nonprofit route. I don't know nobody else with a nonprofit, <laughs> at least that owns wow. it. I know people who are involved with it. But uh, what I find is that in talking to you about, you know, day to day life stuff, I'm able to pull a lot of that and incorporate it into not just my other existing relationships, but also like how I do my work, how I do my passion. And I, I find a new appreciation for it, too. So uh, thank you for that. I want to make sure I want to first give you thanks for that. But also asking you uh, from the conversations that we have, one thing that I worry about is as men communicating too, and this could be a society thing, so you, I'll let you speak to it. I sometimes feel like when we talk, maybe I am taking more from the conversation. Like it's not a reciprocal thing. It's like, man, I got this thing going on. And then you kind of like, you, you really walk me through, here's what this could be. Have you thought about this? Or you challenge me in certain ways. And I wonder if doing that feels one-sided to you or if there's anything that like you get out of challenging or being or challenging your friend who comes to you for guidance or advice. No, it doesn't feel one sided. Uh, I think for me, I do get something out of it. I get to like put my, you know, mind to task and, you know, ask myself certain questions too. Because generally if some if you have a question, if you're going through something, I'm probably having a similar situation. And I think that's one of the things that we've been talking about. We've seen them, like, even though we live very different lives, like you just said, you've got the podcast thing going on, uh, like a regular nine-to-five type uh, job, uh, and you've done all this traveling, but, like, I haven't done as much traveling as you, not out the country-wise anyway. But generally, we still have something similar going on at the same time. So I think even if you ask me about a situation and I give you my take on it, and even if I challenge you on something, nine times out of ten, I'm challenging myself on that same thing, too. So, no, it's not one-sided at all. Yeah. All right. I appreciate that. Because I don't I'm, – I'm, I've been making it a point over at least the last, like, nine months or so to make more – deepen my connections with the men or, who are around me. And that's a really hard thing to do. It's, it's like, hard, like, telling a man I love you. It's hard, like – uh, asking for help type shit, you know, superficial level. Like we, we shared a locker in college. We played football together. We would play Madden. We'd go out. We'd attempt to get girls. We'd ride together and we'd eat together. Like those were the things that we did, but we never really would get into like deep stuff. And I don't know if it was just cause we didn't know to do that. If we didn't have to do that, if we didn't want to do that. So like, what do you think took so long for us to be able to communicate the way that we are? I think it took the real world to come at us, real, for real. I think it was like, we're in school, we got football going on, we got class going on, we got the weekends, we're trying to party and do whatever going on. It was never a time that, you know, you really got to be by yourself and experience the world as it is. Like, we weren't paying no bills. It wasn't, you know, really figuring out what we was going to eat. We were going whatever's at the cafeteria. We were told our schedule. So it wasn't no real thinking for ourselves back then. So I think 
just having the experience outside of somebody else telling you what to do, where to be. When to be there. And all that stuff. When to be there, yeah. I I think just, literally, I think it's just life. And then, obviously, you move away. You know, I'm in Kansas City, you know, Portland. And just, yeah, having to build, you know, the relationships outside of college, which it was very easy for that. Like the, the team atmosphere and the fact that everybody's all the same age and we're all going to school and we're all in this class. So I think it's just real world, real world shit happened. And being on your own, it just, I think it just took us to a place of, you know, actually being alone and then be like, all right, well, how can I get that, you know, that, that sense of community with the people that I'm closest to again? Oh, shit, we got to talk about our lives and what we experienced outside of being you know together and stuff so i think that's what it is i think that's what happened with this kind of connection relationship friendship going from being around each other all the time and then going off having your own experiences in life too do you find like it's easier to go deeper with people you have already established connections with even at the risk of rejection or deeper connection or is it easier to just start anew with brand new people and make an attempt to connect more deeply with somebody who may not have that history with you i think it's easier for the people that you already know but i i think at the same time if you just being yourself it could be easier with people that you don't know either I mean, realistically, who's more likely to reject you, the person that you already know and been around or the people that you don't really know? And so, like, I don't I don't think that for most people that they would care if they got rejected by people that they barely know mm-hmm. either. So I, may, I, maybe that's a, you know, I guess it just depends on the person. Then. Yeah. And I, the reason I asked that question is because I want to I want to answer it, too, because I just thought about it as you were speaking. And I think about who I am when I'm traveling. I don't have my sense of routine. I don't have my same obligations. It's a new place. I'm incentivized to connect with people or at least attempt to. I think my risk tolerance for rejection is significantly higher because I'm also in like a more laid back mood or maybe I'm a little bit you know stressed because I'm in a new place and that stress is something that I think motivates me to go up and talk to a stranger ask someone a question ask for directions initiate a conversation whereas the familiarity of my existing environment not just with like friends and family even but like even being here if I'm walking down the street you know, and I just want to talk to somebody, I'm less likely to do it, maybe because of the sense of familiarity. So I, I I guess it isn't either or. It's not just depends on who you are, but it also depends on what you got going on, uh, how you feeling that day. Uh, it may even be like the, the weather, because I'm in Portland and it's constantly gray here. And I think that that really influences the environment I'm in. We can we can go into that if if relevant later. But um, 
as I'm thinking about this, I think that like being out my comfort zone for myself, and I don't know if this can be true for anybody who might be listening, but being out of your comfort zone, does that make you a more social person who's willing to connect? Or does it make you more of an antisocial person who's like just wanting to get through the feelings of discomfort alone? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think it could be. I think so many factors go into that. I think there's people that would say, well, I'm just visiting the place, so I'm a while out. I don't know nobody here. They ain't going to remember me. So I might as well just be who I am, you know, show whatever. Or be white. Do something, you know, different. I, I think it goes multiple ways. I think some people, they could travel and be by themselves and just want to see the sights and do whatever and don't talk to nobody. I could do it like that. So yeah, I think it's a ton of different factors into that. That's a hard question. I think everybody would just have to ask themselves, you know, what do I see myself as being? And I feel like yeah, when I'm when I'm traveling, when I'm not at home, I'm probably more um, more extroverted. Like when I'm at home, like, yeah, I got my set group of friends. This is pretty much routine. It's normal. So I think it's like more. Yeah, yeah. That's that's how I feel. I am, so. Yeah. I think this is a good little intro into what we at least talked about the topic being, which was just like talking to your friends. Uh, With my work, I talk to a lot of people who are so willing to speak to me because I'm a stranger on one hand, so I'm low risk, but I have the common ground with people of having herpes and the people who reach out to me, like it's, they think that their problem revolves around having herpes, but it's like really like more of a social thing. They are not wanting to tell someone the emotional effects of what they're going through or how they're feeling. And it's like a a piece of understanding for me. And I often tell people, I'm like, all right, cool. You got it out to me. Now, when you go to tell the person that you want to tell what you just told me, and you're probably scared of them, you know, rejecting you or looking at you differently because they're a higher risk. The thing about that is you're either going to get closer with that person or the relationships is going to end a lot sooner than you might have planned to before it can get to a point of hurting even more. And so uh, I offer this, like, just talking to your fucking friends, <laughs> like the people around you, because you don't know what gold mines there are. You know, if you and I hadn't stayed in touch, I don't know. I probably would have been spending a lot more money on therapy than I had planned to as well, as well as like, not even that. I think more importantly, what I would do if I wasn't actively like talking to my friends more and sharing more with them would be, I'd be seeking more attention from women through that. And one of the problems that I had, and you can speak to this, like whenever, whenever you want to jump in, jump in, but I want to make this last point. I noticed for myself, when women ask me, how are you? How are you doing? There has been a pattern in my life of responding to that with the real answer. And then they either don't reply, don't reply right away, or the response isn't really engaging in a conversational way. They get distracted or even worse, they just kind of like use that to figure out if I'm at a place where I can hear how they are. And then they start telling me about what's going on with them. So when I recognized this pattern, I had gotten into a state of being triggered. I was like, why am I so annoyed by this? Why am I angry by this? And it was like, oh, 
whenever I do get triggered, I ask myself, when was the most recent time I felt this way? When was the last first time I felt this way? And I was able to trace that shit back to it just feeling like I'm wasting my time. Like I'm wasting my energy even saying it. And even if someone genuinely wants to know how I am now, I just say, hey, that's not a text conversation. Like we can talk about this in person or over the phone because it feels it doesn't feel present for me. So ever since I started uh, holding up that particular boundary, I was able to see like all the ways that I I needed to get that need met. But instead of now, like trying to initiate a conversation with a woman for that intimacy, I find that there's just something different about initiating that conversation with one of my friends and then just being like, yo, I, I'm, I'm dealing with this thing. Like, what's up? What you what you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I can understand that. And I, I don't think that I've ever really thought about that before. You know, if somebody <clears throat> that I'm not particularly like super close with asks me how I'm feeling or how I'm doing. Generally, the answer is just, I'm good. What's up with you? And I think that's that's what you were just saying right there. But if everybody actually said how they were doing, then there'd be much, like you said, you would never be able to, that's not a text conversation. But at the same time, it is like a barometer. Well, let me see how you doing just to say it. And then blah, 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 blah. Here's what's going on with my day. Like, that's what most people are doing. It's kind of like the, oh, what, what you doing? What you doing on Saturday? And then it's like, well, how about you just tell me what you want on Saturday? Yeah. <laughs> Instead of asking me what I'm doing so I can say nothing. Oh, can you do this? But uh, no, I think that's uh, that's like that was very insightful. And I think realistically, you can't really have those conversations with anybody. So you have to have those conversations with the people that you know are equipped to handle them. Um, and I think that, but well. I think that if you initiate those conversations with more people, you would understand the people that should be around versus the people that shouldn't. Yeah. And maybe that's why you said you felt like you were wasting your time, you know, answering those questions sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but truthfully, anyway. Yeah, because it, it, it always felt like when people ask, oh, how are you? It's it's genuine. It's an invite to connect. Because I, I used to always just be like, oh, I'm good. How are you? And immediately flip it, but that was because I was uncomfortable with the vulnerability piece. Like, I want to get to a place where I'm able to really tell people how I am and engage with them at that level. But I'm I'm getting better at picking up when the how are you is not, I'm here, I'm present, I want to engage with you, I want to know how you are, and then talk about it. Uh, I'm able to see a little bit more of the difference, but I hate that, like, there was someone who I know genuinely is wanting to get to know me. I was like, I'm not doing this over text. And I think that she respected it more so than was like, oh, dang, this jerk. Like, he doesn't want to text me. I was like, no, nah, like it's more it's a phone call thing. Like, that's just that's what I have to do moving forward for myself. And I haven't had an issue with this since then, except for when I let it slip. Because periodically, you know, you might just catch yourself in a moment or it's somebody that you want to give a chance to to just see like, oh, you know, have things changed? Are you different now? Right. And no, nah, same thing. <laughs> and I think, too, like I think the, that that question generally needs it's just a, it's just a, basically it's just saying hello. So people use it in just to say hello, not necessarily really wondering how you're doing or how you've been or anything like that. 
Yeah. But I think the the first question that you that you said with the way this conversation got started is that you said you would be seeking attention from women if we didn't like if we didn't stay connected and stuff like that or if we didn't talk to your friends and that's what we talked about. But no, yeah, I think the same. I think if you know, I didn't talk to you and you know the other guys in. I think it would probably be more. I would probably be more withdrawn as well. I think, like you said, probably I spend more money than than needed or necessary on therapy. I think, uh, yeah, I think a lot of like more repressed. Like you wouldn't be able to get a lot of things off your chest. You'd be more held up, held within. And, you know, I don't know. That's the importance of friends. Like actual friends, not just people that you go out with drinking on the weekend. Cause ain't nothing never getting discussed and talked about then. It's all well, who gonna do this? So like, who gonna go talk to that girl? Who gonna do this? Yada yada yada. And that ain't really what's important at the end of the day. It's just you know being yourself with the people that you that the people who allow you to be yourself that you can talk to, and that you ain't gotta give them nothing, and they ain't they ain't expecting nothing for you in return. Just that that exchange is, you know. The, the the goal, I guess. Yeah, man, and I really hope that if anybody does listen to this, if they get the benefits of the back and forth that you and I have privately, like that they're able to get that for themselves in their own day-to-day life. Like one of the things that I like about bringing you on here is I, I will talk out loud on these podcast episodes, like processing things on my own. But it is cool to have another perspective as a whole, like even as you're processing things. One of the things that I know that I've messed up with in relationships is I would bring unprocessed things to whoever I was dating. And as things process, they change and it's not solid. It's not firm. They don't know what to do with constant changing information, right? Because how I may begin processing, it's like, okay, well, here's the information I have. Here's the decision that I'm going to make based off that information. And then as more information comes in and as feelings become more leveled out, there could be a whole different situation. And I know that I, my girlfriends used to hate that to the point where I learned, okay, don't even bring unprocessed things to this person. If they ask me what's wrong, uh, I'll talk about it later or nothing, right? And just dismiss that shit. And we talk a lot about like how uh, men are, men are supposed to be, like we listen to a lot of men's coaches content and we exchange our thoughts about that with one another. And I think I see just from like what I just shared, like as I'm processing it out loud, that that that's kind of like one of those turnoffs for women. It's like, oh, he doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know what he wants. Oh my God, he's panicking. What's wrong? And that's kind of why I think a lot of men don't open up or get vulnerable or share their emotions with women. Like some of the responses I've gotten, because it does feel shitty to open up and be like, oh, well, Here's what's happening. Here's how I'm feeling about it. And then to be met with silence or to be met with, uh, uh, oh, he's not actually okay to hear me vent. Like, I wanted to vent to you. I didn't want you to vent to me, so I'm just not going to say anything back, right? <laughs> and the more the more that I've, like, had those experiences and the more that you and me talk and we share these, like, YouTube shorts and everything with each other, the more I'm like, oh, dude, 
I know this already. Like I gotta revert back to, I guess, my survival instincts in a way and interact with people according to that undercurrent of a code that we live by interacting with each other. So it's safe to be vulnerable about my stuff as man stuff with another man than it, and it's not really safe to do with women, at least in different contexts of like who I might be attracted to or who I want in community because it's like that way of communicating creates discomfort within me, a barrier between us, a little bit of resentment, and and then some. So I, I guess like I, I'm gonna stop talking now because I, I want to hear what you got to say about what I've shared at that point. I mean, no, that makes sense. It, it's just, I think you said it seems like it's you gotta get back to the survival instincts. But I think what's happening is, it's like, uh, hold up, I'm still here. No, the phone started ringing. I, I didn't know what was happening. Oh, uh, <laughs> my bad. But good. like, I think I think it's the survival instincts that's stopping. Tell me more. from being vulnerable in the, in the in the first place because it's like all right well what's bringing about the the, the pause or the halt and the unprocessing of the information is like well what if this happens so in order to survive and not feel like you said that silence or that person is like not being able to like be like okay well look i can listen you vent but i really wanted to vent in order to not have that i think that's what we say well, hold up, I'll talk about it later or whatever, because the mind is blocking us from getting there to the point where it's okay to talk about this stuff because we've been taught so long that we have, we can't do that in order to survive, like in order to get the outcomes that we want, in order to, you know, feel safe, I guess you could say. And I think even though it's learned, it's still like this. Like I, so I think basically, I think getting back to the basic instincts of it, I don't know if that's necessarily the case either, though. Mm. Because, I don't know, there's just so much more going on now, and there's so much that we haven't talked about since we were little boys that we weren't supposed to. So it's like, how do you get past that? Yeah, just by talking to your friends. But at some point, we got to get to a place where we can talk to other people too about it, and it'd be okay with us, no matter what the what's on the other side of that outcome. You know, I don't know if that makes sense or not. So what I'm hearing in relation to what I said is, <clears throat> even going going back to the survival instincts comment. So having the survival instincts and going back to that is also keeping us from connecting because the default survival instinct is don't be vulnerable, don't share emotion. But if we can get through the other side of the discomfort that is reverting to survival instincts, what we will then be able to do is be vulnerable with the people we can be vulnerable with because if we're talking about survival instincts we default to men and whoever we're interacting with we date women so they default to women and traditionally women don't like that shit women don't want to hear emotions from men because it flips off the panic switch and then men we know if i want to keep her i better not act this way right so it's almost like there needs to be a transcendence of 
the survival and look at what it means to thrive. It's like, okay, if I want healthy relationships, if we're going to survive in this community, one, we need to be able to connect with and build trust and connection and vulnerability with people. So to me, I guess what that looks like is, I guess, exploring masculinity from a lens of vulnerability or being a man from the lens of men, like men having more of these kinds of open vulnerabilities with each other and then being able to reflect on it rather than what I know I've seen in myself, which is using women to decide what it means to be a man. So I would enter it would be like pursuing sex it's like oh men women have sex like that's what we do or try and like be in that energy be in that proximity and just try and have like doing what survival you know what we're supposed to do like men supposed to be with women or whatever right and so since being able or closing out what i heard you say which was just we got to get past that default thought process and level up or level out into a place where we can think beyond you know this is this is all you are like a two-dimensional transactional relationship not just with other people but also with ourselves and see that there is more that we can be and that there are more ways to engage with each other is that in the ballpark yeah basically and, and uh, i guess i think what i was saying is like too if we can get to that place of doing that then the information won't be so hard to process uh, like you were saying before like you come with half processed thoughts and then it would change well if we if we got to the place where it was okay that we felt like it was okay and we unlearned all the things that we stopped you know that we learned then the information will be what the information is because we'd be in the moment and feeling whatever it was and then being able to explain it at the same time and so at that point it wouldn't change because we'd be in, you know, in tune or connected to what's actually going on. Yeah. So, oh, I thought she was about to say some more. I was like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> no, no, that was no, nah, that's that was good. Man, this uh, excuse me, this the way that we're able to take the information in that we are getting and share our experiences and then like spit it out, it's so much of it makes more sense when I'm able to talk through that with somebody than it does when I'm able to just listen and then try and bring my own experiences to it. Like the books I read, the clips on YouTube or reels or TikTok videos that I see, you know, taking some of what people say in extremes and being like, man, what you think about this? And being able to dissect that shit has been very critical to my transcendent thought process to what's you know being put on the internet because the internet has to be polarizing in order for the people who create the content to thrive so i see why people have these extreme views in one way extreme views in the other so that we can collect that information and then formulate our own opinion i mean that's not the intention of it it's just to make money of course but for us to be able to consume information from all sides and then be able to like have constructive dialogue i think that's like a lost art man and that's probably why people don't talk to their friends because they fear losing their friends uh to cancel culture and the etiquette of how you communicate with one another in a way that's just not genuine i agree with that i agree with that uh i think what's happened here 
in the last 10, 15, well, actually probably forever, really. I think that people get it in their head that I am this thing. So, like, I am this. So, like, even if you, like, think about, like, politics, Republicans, Democratic, Democrats, like, I can't, if I'm Republican, I can't agree with anything that goes against being, you know, Republican. Even if it sounds good, even if it makes sense to me, like that, that's a bad thing and people got to get out of that. But I think it's the same thing with any other big topic of the day these days. Like I said, cancel culture is big um, and people have to be really careful about it, but you shouldn't have to. Like people, you should be able to feel how you want to feel on this subject even if it kind of conflicts with something else that's a, of a different, you know, status or realm, like nobody can be 100% of one thing. And if you are, I'm saying you're a crazy person yeah. and you're just, you're doing, you're not being truthful to yourself and you're not, you're not to be trusted. Realistically. <laughs> uh, if, if you can't stand on your own, if you can't collect information, and take what you need out of that information and make it fit your life, then you're going to be a slave to whatever you think you're supposed to be. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if this... I think I paid attention to it in 2020. I think that was when I really started to pay attention to it, just with the vaccinated and anti-vax. And it's like, everybody got a point. Okay, you got science as science, but then you also have science as science. Like, if you look at the science you want to see, you can support your claim. If you look at the science that uh, you don't want to see, you can support that claim. And when I, I started to see that in between, like, people getting vaccinated, not getting vaccinated, wearing masks, not wearing masks, I, I think I had a, such an in-your-face framework for what it looks like with your politics because more conservative people were like no freedom anti-mask but liberal people who are also supportive of freedom were like no we need to do what the government says and wear our masks you know and it was interesting to see that flip-flop because conservatives um represent freedom freedom of you know this and that but like women shouldn't be able to get abortion and the liberal side is like i should be able to do whatever i want with my body so but people shouldn't be able to own guns it's so funny to see you know when freedom applies and when oppression applies to whoever is like whoever it is that's uh taking the wheel of the conversation yeah whoever's benefiting or not benefiting at the time that's like that's when people change but they try to stay the same and people will still go against they were still, some people will still try to justify things when they don't benefit. And that's like, to, you, you, like I said, you're literally a slave to that mindset, a slave to that system because it's like, okay, well, I'm going to throw myself out on this subject. Man. I'm going to put myself under the bus. But on this one, no, I'm going to take full advantage of this too, though. But like, so it's it's just one of those things where it's just yeah, that's how people have become, unfortunately. Uh, and yeah, this is something we gotta wake up out of. Mm-hmm. Stop, you know, following, you know, false prophets and, and things of that nature. It's like, even when you talk about certain people, certain people to most some people are like, well, no, they could never do that. 
I would trust them always. They would they would never do that bad thing that they say, and then it comes out. It's like, well, no, there's got to be a there's got to be an explanation for why they did that. Mm-hmm. Like, no, that that you know, so things like that. I think it's okay to have you know to hold something or somebody up in a high regard, but it's also important that we call a spade a spade when there's proof. You know. Yeah, but depending on who's calling a spade a spade, that spade might look like a diamond. It might look like a heart. It might look like a club, right? And that's another thing, too, uh, I guess is really worth touching on is being able to exist and be in reality with people because so much of, like, what we when we talk, I think people's emotions can get so involved in the conversation that it's hard for them to be realistic about what is happening or what options are to be done. I think people don't really, speaking from my own personal experience, I can speak to experiences I've had where I felt like I wasn't in control and it was easier for me to just say, I can't control the situation. I'm not going to, I'm not in control. I don't, I'm just going to do what I'm doing because I'm supposed to do it because that was actually easier than controlling what I can control in the situation. So you can dismiss, uh, let's talk about my career. Like I'll just use that as a quick example to support. Um, I've been living in Portland, Oregon. I get food stamps. I get um, I get the Oregon health plan, I guess, which is the Medicaid here. And I live in a house where I pay $700 a month for rent. And so the government assistance that I've gotten has really supported me in being able to just buy my groceries and to be able to go to the doctor when I'm sick and stay on top of my health uh, and actually find out too that I was on my way to becoming diabetic. So like I was able to figure that out and be in front of and be on top of that. Very grateful for it. I had a moment where it's like I can get out of this, but I was thinking um, I, I might I don't think I mentioned that on this podcast before, but I had a moment where I had to call to renew my benefits and the lady slipped up and told me how much money that I had to make in order to not qualify for my benefits anymore. And when she told me it was twenty two hundred dollars a month, I was like, oh, cool. Long as I don't make more than that, I get to keep my two hundred and fifty dollars a month in food stamps and my health care. And right after I said it, I shook my head. I was like, what the fuck was that? Like, why do I want to? insist on making less money in order to continue to get this $250 a month that I can only use on food. And so like I I had to challenge that. And when I challenged it, I was able to see where that thought process came from and then move forward with, you know, looking at the reality is like, okay, I have a podcast. I have a nonprofit. I run this nonprofit. I can pay myself. I've been choosing not to, not because, oh, you know, it's a good thing for me to not pay myself. People want to see me pay myself. People want to see me, you know, winning in life and doing well and support the organization in that way as well. But I was in my own way. One ego was in the way telling me I'm a better person because I'm not taking any money from this organization when the reality is I need it and it's there for me to be able to have a greater quality of life to be able to give more through this particular service. So um, 
when I finally I, I talked to my board, we made a decision, we set a number for me to be able to pay myself, and I realized like I had a moment where like my chest hurt. My chest hurt because I was like, damn, I gotta let go of these benefits. I gotta let go of my identity as the person who's doing the work that I do and uh, the only person who doesn't take any money uh, for doing what I do. And that shit, like, that shit was hard. Like, it's really hard to challenge yourself in that way. So uh, I, I say that because that was me looking at a situation that I had no control over. It's like, well, I need these benefits. I need to work enough. I need to do what I'm doing. And then I was like, well, no, there are things that I can control. I can control paying myself. And when I do that, yes, there's consequences. I'm going to lose these benefits and I have to keep paying myself. But that is a challenge that is important for me to continue to work through and take on because, I mean, that's really part of what life is about. Like, I'm in a very specific, unique opportunity to be able to do not just what I enjoy doing, but also to be able to make a living doing what it is that I love doing and still make the impact for other people. And a lot of people never take the time to just ask themselves, uh, why, why do I feel like I don't have control or why am I unwilling to challenge this thing? And I think that that's like what friends offer when we are able to bounce these ideas off each other too and challenge, uh, what we believe in the status quo and to see that from different angles. Now, I, I remember when you told me that, too, and I was saying the same thing. I was like, yeah, you can, you can replace that 250 by making, you know, by paying yourself. You can replace a lot of that stuff by paying yourself, you know, and then get the actual, you know, feeling of rewarding yourself for what you're doing instead of, like, not, you know, rewarding yourself. There's an old, you know, another can of worm that, you know. You know, you, rewarding yourself, because when you say that, it's like, OK, now I'm rewarding myself. And before it's like, well, well, shit, was I punishing myself? Like what was happening in my mind? If I wasn't giving myself the reward for doing good, it was like, was I punishing myself for doing good or <laughs> what was happening? Unintentionally, yeah. Yeah. Unintentionally. Uh, you're, you know, like not thinking because I've done it myself, like. I, I was always, I never really indulged or paid my, or, you know, did things super nice for myself until I'd probably say about 2019, 2020 as well. And I was like, you know what? Like, was that why, when you got your why? truck? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was just like living, just, you know, never truly doing the things that I wanted to do, even though I, I could and I had the means. And I was like, why am I doing this? Why am I not taking advantage of this? Why am I like, I've done enough, but I think that that was a thought I was telling myself that like, you haven't done enough. Like you haven't done enough yet. You don't deserve it yet. You don't, you know, need this or whatever. Yeah, it was all any excuse that I gave myself. It was all, you know, the underlying issue was you aren't enough yet. I think, but you haven't done enough. You don't deserve it yet. And, what and I don't is, know where they came from. Really. What is enough? <laughs> Because I, I I find myself doing that too. What does enough mean? That's a good question. I don't think that it is. It, it clearly it don't mean shit. <laughs> you know, it's just like you are enough. You have done enough. The fact that we're here every day, you know, making making our own way through life and living and surviving, like that that's enough. You know, working hard that that is enough. 
So if there's this concept of enough, then there's also a concept of not enough. And enough is just putting us in a range of existence. But is there a such thing as too much? Like not a, we, we gotta have this not enough scarcity mindset, right? The pursuit of enough, which is the pursuit of more. And in the pursuit of more, you know, we could probably get hooked on that and then just like have too much. And what does where's the balance? Like what's the balance to find and land on and be comfortable with what enough is? That wasn't a question to answer. That was just one to reflect on. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, could you? Like, yeah, it's like, that was, damn. It was gonna take me a minute to think about that. Like... But that's, I mean, that's kind of like when you answered my question at first. You know, are you more social or able to connect better with people you know or people you don't know? And it's all situational uh, when it comes to food. You know, I know there's enough food. I, I, I'm able to make enough food to feed myself and then be able I know that I'm going to eat again tomorrow right it's not too much it's too much when I got to throw shit out right because it's stuff went bad or because I'm unable to eat it all I cooked it and it's gonna go bad right and I think that we can use the scarcity to too much mindset to land on what enough is and so much of what I'm seeing in life right now too is really about presence and being present right now when you're cooking when you're grocery shopping when you're eating are you here when you're doing all of that and real in reality of okay this is enough food for right now this is enough food for the refrigerator right now right not oh my god you know I only got paid I get paid every two weeks and I gotta make this money last so I'm gonna buy all the groceries right now and I'm putting them in the refrigerator and like be outside of the frame of presence to where there's that indulgence of too much or the scarcity of too little because I think that they both like play hand in hand too if you think there's not enough then you might do too much and if you have too much you might lose a lot of that because or even if you have like the scarcity mindset I'm, I'm trying to see how those two can play out but I'm not able to articulate it very well but well, you if, said the first half of it right yeah you yeah and we're gonna leave it there you got too much <laughs> if you don't if you don't have enough then you don't wait 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 what if you, you if you have a scarcity mindset you're gonna pursue too much right because there's not have, enough but if you have too much, you don't really have an, a scarcity mindset, so it didn't work. <laughs> That's why it so, didn't well, work. But you can you can overindulge basically if you have too much. That's it. And I think that's like I think I think it comes down to the middle ground of it. This ain't no Carmax you commercial. You holding you putting Carmax in the camera. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, what you said? Like I think the you said I think presence is the thing. Like you said, presence is the equalizer. Ooh, you have podcast much, title. You can't be present. Podcast title. Presence is the equalizer. Yep. <laughs> when you have too much and you overindulge, you're not being present. When you have too little, you're you're constantly thinking about the little that you have and trying to get more so you can't be present. Right. Or preserve so, it. Or even preserve the little that you do have at the expense of getting more. Well, I think that you still just can't be present in the in the moment because you're either trying to preserve every little bit that you have or you're constantly trying to get more. 
So I think I think that's the true medium. Like when we say what is enough, what is enough is when you can be truly present in in whatever it is that you're doing. Mm-hmm. So like I said, if you're hanging out with your friends, can you be present? Or is the scarcity of what's happening outside got you on your phone? Or, you know, having too much time with your friends got you slacking in other places, but you're overindulging here and not putting enough on here. So I, I, I think that's a good way to look at it. Being present means that everything is in alignment. So you're being present when you're supposed to be present in whatever you're doing at the moment. Whatever yeah. you're trying to achieve at the moment. Yeah. I had, um, it's, wow, this is perfect. This is, again, we have conversations and then I reflect on experiences to bring into the conversation. And something that happened, I was working the other day, I work as a standardized patient. I basically, uh, I read a script and medical students come in, they ask me questions to figure out what's wrong with me and they have to guess. At the end of it, I give them feedback. And so there was one guy who came in, he's a medical student, and he said, uh, I asked him how I went. He said, oh, I think it was all right. I was like, well, what was all right about it? He was like, well, you know, I, I need to figure out my priority. I was like, well, what's that? He was like, well, I was just trying to do a lot of things at once. I was like, well, here's the thing about that. And I thought this was good ass advice. I, was, I don't know why I didn't write it down, but we don't multitask we do one thing at a time so while you got to come in here not only do you need to figure out what's wrong with me you got to also diagnose it you got to treat it you got to walk me through and explain it you got to introduce yourself properly you got to make me comfortable to tell you what's wrong you have a lot of different things to do so it's really about being present to what the priority is right now because you may have an intention of coming in here and getting this thing first, but when something else that becomes a priority comes from me, you need to be able to prioritize that thing in the moment. So it's not about constantly shifting. uh, uh, It's not about doing all of this at once. It's about being present to when it happens, being able to identify it and come back to that as the priority accordingly. So this, I mean, shit, presence is the equalizer. Yeah. 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 Because like, I, I've heard somebody say that, you know, there is no such thing as multitasking like you said. You're doing a bunch of things that are less than optimum quality you half assing a bunch of shit <laughs> that's it yeah yeah man you're doing five things and you need a hundred you need a hundred percent to do one thing the, in the most efficient and effective way possible but you're doing five things you're doing five things at 20 percent. yeah and maybe even the range is a little bit worse on some of the things Mm-hmm. yeah like i can't i can't sit here and take like i can't be present and really take notes i can't be present in our conversation and like text and respond to messages that keep popping up like i have to just be here because that's really what these conversations do and animals even know that shit i was hanging out with my friend's roommate's dog and he hates when you look at your phone he'll like touch me no be yeah he's dog he's just like be be here be present be present big ass rottweiler too think he a puppy (laughs) and that's that's really a lesson to be learned like nature animals um 
I think that we have such positive responses from the world around us when we are present because ain't nothing wrong right now. Like Eckhart Tolle says this. He says, all suffering happens in past and future, in memory and imagination. When we can be present right now, everything is okay. So like right here, right now, if I take a deep breath, this is fine. This is good. Now, if I was on fire, that's different. <laughs> like I got to I got to get off fire before everything can be okay as it is. You know what I mean? If I'm in the process that's, that's a crazy thing to think about too though. What? How like how some people are never present unless things are going bad. I like, think about that like you said if you're on fire or if just any the worst thing possible it's the only way to get some people present. And if that's the case, yeah, like you're never, like you said, you're never present. But the only way to get in this, I think that's why some people have such, are drawn to issues and drama and all of that stuff, because that's literally the only way you can be present sometimes. What does it feel like to be present? I think it just feels like literally not having any thoughts or any fears or like you said before there's no fear or anything or, or, or scarcity I think it's just being in the moment being doing one thing whether that's just hanging out with friends talking to somebody uh, being out on a date whatever hanging out with dogs whatever I mean that's just all that there is I think that's just what being present is if I'm having a conversation with you If I had to say what presence feels like, I would say that there is just an awareness of where you are right now. That's the feeling, a feeling of knowing, a feeling of knowing where you are in space, what you're doing, a sense of just self, not even focus really, because you can be present with just it being quiet it being still with the thing that you're doing like just being able to take a breath and check in and be aware of what's happening in your body just immediately around your body whatever if there's a sound if there's a taste if there's a feeling if there's a smell if there is touch here taste smell see if there's something that you can look at because like I, I think i was walking i just looked at the birds and i was like damn this is presence. Like I just watched the bird just, and that's presence. And there's a, a feeling of connectedness. Even if you listen to music, I was listening to Toby, Toby Nguigwe, uh, eat him and his wife eat the name of the song. That shit yeah. hard. That's my shit. I play that when I'm benching heavy. And I was just like, getting this, I was like, damn, she's spitting right now. Like, what? I'm about to get on first day basis with Beyonce. I was like, hey, that's tight. But you, you, you feel that in moments when you're connected with, and in that moment, I was connected with the music. And yeah, I was lifting weights. <laughs> but um, the the music is what I was connected to. And I was, um, I tried lifting weights without music, and it's it's hard. It's hard to. It's hard, man. I ain't gonna lie to you. That's a another thing that I'm going, I'm working on. But it does just allow me to be in a state of presence in mind, where my body can just go and do what it's gonna do or what needs to be done. Well, wait, wait, wait. Are you saying you're working on 
not listen to music while listening weights because uh... I'm working on allowing myself to be present with that because like I can listen to music and work out but then you know between songs like oh you know I don't like this song right bringing awareness to the fact that I don't like that song bringing awareness to the fact that I'm changing the song instead of doing my exercise too like that is presence so acknowledge acknowledging when you're not present is also presence does that make sense so if I'm just mindlessly, like if I'm walking, I know I'm going somewhere, right? I know, all right, I'm walking to the grocery store, right? Along the way, this is what I'm doing. If along the way I'm walking to the grocery store and I see a cat, right? I'm like, oh, look at that cute cat. Oh, what's that cat doing? Like I'm walking to the grocery store, yes, but in that moment I'm looking at the cat and I'm like in awe of the cat doing what cats do, right? Am I still walking to the grocery store and multitasking now because I'm watching a cat? Like, is that still multitasking? If I'm asking myself that, I'm able to go, oh, maybe I'm not being present. Like, that's still present. Just the awareness and acknowledgement of being present or not being present. It's like, uh, I don't know. I don't know how to describe this, but I'm, I'm trying to work through it. And it seems to be making less and less sense the more I talk. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, I don't think that, like in, in your example, walking, I don't think that you only have to be doing one thing to be present. Like, you can be walking and looking at the cat. You're still present along the walk. Like, you, you, you're feeling the ground walking. You're seeing the cat walking. You're smelling the air, whatever. Like, you're just present in the situation. It's not like I don't necessarily think that just admiring the cat is not being present in the walk. Now, if you went and chased the cat, yeah, it's not like that. Like, you got, like, like squirrel. Or something. squirrel. <laughs> like, I don't know, like, maybe, like, it took you off your task. But as long as you were on your task still, I think that's, like, something, like, that's true. But, like, I think if you were walking and then you started to think about this weird thing that you did in high school. Oh, the past. It started feeling bad about it. Yeah. <laughs> it started feeling bad about it. Like, damn, that was dumb. Yeah. Why I do that? Like, yeah, then you're not being present. Yeah. Or thinking about, well, damn, you know, I, I need to, I'm going to have to pay this rent or whatever. And I, like, yeah, then you're not being present. Like, so like you said, the past and the future, there's nothing in the, the moment that isn't present or is everything's fine. There we go. So just no, checking, fire. checking in with your <laughs> environment right now. That's 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 the feeling of presence of being able to just yeah. check in with your immediate environment, with your body. I got yeah. it. Cool. Understanding where you at, seeing everything, taking it all in, no matter what it is. And you crackhead run across the street. That's you being present, you noticing the crackhead. Yeah. Like. <laughs> and any of these senses or feelings is a pathway of presence you know uh seeing something hearing something smelling something it's like this is happening right now this is right now and i think that that's useful for people who might struggle with being present yeah yeah i think that was a good good uh definition yeah cool all right, well, shoot, hour done already came up. We have 58 minutes, <laughs> so uh, I thought that was good, man. Um, I'm gonna, I, I want to keep, I want to do this more. Uh, I think that we did a good job staying on task. We'll, we'll see how 
things play out because we still gonna have our conversations and whatnot but to be able to just like have this and record i think this would be good to put out into the world for people to if they stumble across it just see that there's ways of existing and that some of what we talk about are hopefully like just transferable things or things that are relatable to other people's experience that they can pull from this and apply to themselves so that they can live a little bit easier so thanks for being on here i'm gonna go ahead and shut this out this is presence is the equalizer with will combs Peace.